All right, so before we start, we do need to issue a slight correction regarding last episode. Okay. I had a listener brought to my attention the fact that while we were discussing the Super Mario Brothers movie, we were talking about how we have like all these like actors that keep crossing over into like Seagal films. And we said, oh, if we just, I think I said, if we just get, you know, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, then boom, we, you know, we got the big ones. We hit, you know, everything. We didn't actually watch it. Maybe we'll have to go back and add it in later. We didn't actually watch Executive Decision. It said he was just like a supporting role. Like it didn't seem like a major Seagal thing. It's more of like a Kurt Russell movie that happens up Seagal on it. But I guess John Leguizamo is in there and specifically oh. said working with Seagal was like a major pain in the ass. Like this guy sucks. Like <laughs> I literally based my, the character I'm playing in the menu of this like failed like actor on my experience working with Seagal. So wow. we do, we actually, we got Leguizamo. We got all the big ones. All the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's here. We're going to have a bonus episode of the Super Mario Brothers movie at some point just because of the... I'm going to have a whole conspiracy wall of the Red Yarn and everything that connects, like, Super Mario Brothers movie to to all these Seagal films. But yeah, I just want to make sure because, you know, we're going to have these people listening. We're going to, like, start getting a ton of emails of people just being like, um, actually, you said you don't have John Leguizamo, but he was an executive decision with Seamus Gunn Carousel. So, if we have, you know, journalistic integrity to correct our mistakes, edit, Leguizamo is present, we're good. Kick off this episode, Hans. But you can't check your six. It's kind of like, you know, taking a screwdriver to a gunfight. What's happening? Just like on top, top. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to Steven C. at all. I'm Hans. I'm Aaron. I'm Zach. Sorry, I just drank some boba. I think all these intros are getting more and more tired. A little bit. They should be, yeah. I, I, you know what? I shouldn't actually be that down. I actually, I had a decent time watching this one. I don't know why. I think it was because it was so outlandishly goofy. But, I, I don't know. Compare, compared to the absolute tragedy that was Ticker, uh, this wasn't that Ticker, bad. Ticker, yeah. No, this was significantly better than Ticker. That's a pretty low bar. Uh, but at least this was a movie. Yeah. Unlike Ticker. Yeah, that's uh, the exact problem I have. That my <laughs> metric for how I just view and think about movies is completely skewed. The Overton window has been completely shifted. Like you ever, the fact you that ever, you go from ticker to this, like completely messes yeah. up. Like I, I can't uncritic <laughs> I cannot watch this movie in a vacuum. Compared to Ticker, <laughs> this is a work of art. <laughs> you ever think uh we might be doing an inadvertent supersize me? <laughs> I, I hadn't, but <laughs> like we're just we're just eating nothing but McDonald's for a year here. I don't even think we haven't said the name of the movie yet. This is Half Past Dead. The... I also <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if watching Fifty Straight Stephen Skull films makes you gain like twenty pounds and get depression too. I'm, I'm starting to feel that, so I think <laughs> like this so, is more about the effect that these movies have on our minds than anything about the actual movies themselves. I'm yeah. gonna go to like a therapist. They're gonna open their little notebook, and I'm gonna be like, "So what's going on?" And I'm gonna be like, "I'm 13 movies into like a Seagal binge," and they're just gonna close the notebook and be like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> well, so well, I there think I think I think you know this experiment is uh, it, you know like Supersize Me. This is much. This is a review of Steven Seagal movies in the way that Supersize Me is a review of the McDonald's menu. Like it, <laughs> that is, yeah, it, it is very much front and center but it's not actually about the food it's not about the art it's about the way that it affected me and that's <laughs> negative negatively i would 100 be okay if like the tagline of this podcast was like supersize me but for steven skull movies 
Especially because in that one, he's literally going from, like, a vegan, like, kale yeah. salad diet to straight McDonald's supersized. So this is the equivalent of just coming from, like, Criterion, like, foreign releases. Yeah. And, and like, Canopy streaming movies to Steven Seagal. That is, like, the McDonald's of movies. Yeah, I mean, in my previous life, I if it didn't win at least three Oscars, I didn't even turn it on. Um, that's not true at all. I watched whatever, but, um, (laughs) also like McDonald's surprisingly popular in Russia. (laughs) Yes. I don't, I don't know if that's true. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I guess you should actually say the movie and intro it and talk about it, but what is, what are we talking about today? So this one was half past dead. Uh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Good recap. (laughs) What happens? Tell me what happens. We follow Sasha Petrosevich. Petrosevich. I'm sorry. His being I, Russian I, does not stupid. come up at all in the entire movie. No, it really doesn't. You hear it no. for like two seconds in the very beginning. Then two characters mention it and make no decisions based on that info. Yeah, then his accent changes and everything a million different times. It doesn't matter. So well, in this one, we follow. Specific- wait, wait, but it's very funny specifically. Zach, you for just this got pod. done talking earlier today about how <laughs> no, you but I have something important to say. Interrupt us. I'm not interrupting you. Like I, eight times I'm not interrupting you. I was sneaking minutes. in there after you finished, but you just steamrolled through me. You interrupted me. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, it's important for this podcast because we have. When we're watching these movies, we like we get two thirds of the way through, and then we're like, "Oh, he thinks he's Native American. He thinks he's Italian." Now, like sometimes it takes a while to tease out. Mm-hmm. It is very funny that this one, like within the first five minutes, he's like, "I'm Russian," and then it doesn't come up again. So mm-hmm. we're like, "Okay, we know what he thinks he is, but it doesn't matter." Yeah. No. That's all I was going to say. If you'd let me, is you could this... have said that after. No. Well, I, the... Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to talk about it while we were talking about the fact that he's Russian. We're talking like, about for 30 the, movie, the whole movie this entire time. You can bring it I'm up sorry, literally at any moment. Something. Do we think this is the beginning of his enchantment with Russia? I, that wouldn't surprise me. It could be, considering he he had to stick it in there just somehow. Yeah, he's fought Russians, I think, hasn't he? Actually, weirdly enough, I, think I don't he's the think the only he... action star from the eighties and nineties who didn't fight Russians. He spent the entire eighties not fighting any Russians. I don't remember any. I don't remember him fighting any Russians, but I just feel like that had to have happened. It was the eighties, and he made action movies. You would think then so. again, it's Steven Seagal. He does the impossible. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, Toby. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Hans. Did Aaron interrupt you? Wanting to talk about this relevant topic while we're on the topic? No, because I was, I wasn't talking. Okay, let's actually get to the plot synopsis. However yeah, scant it is. <laughs> we follow this guy, Sasha. He boosts cars, working with a bunch of other people that also steal cars and they're about to ship a whole bunch of cars out um and the fbi raids their warehouse and he i wasn't actually clear i don't know if he takes a bullet or something he gets knocked unconscious um he dies for like 22 minutes i think it was it plays a sound effect as if he got shot multiple times but no squibs go off yeah you don't actually see him get shot it just plays the sound effect it was Later very... on, he definitely makes a comment to FBI lady about, like, oh, you can't do a raid without shooting me, too. So I think we're supposed to draw the conclusion that he got caught in her fire. Yeah. yeah. But so he was, he was dead for 22 minutes, and then he got brought back to life, hence somehow the title, Half Past Dead. I don't know either. It doesn't make sense. One of the characters does say, you went half past dead and came back. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense then either. Times, 
So he ends up going to prison with his partner on new Alcatraz because, of course, <laughs> there's some news crews talking to the warden about new Alcatraz and, you know, it used to be a really terrible place, so why open it up again? I don't know. We okay. cut to the life in prison and the warden starts talking about how things are going to be. The warden's actually pretty cool. I really liked him in this one. He was fine. But in the process of talking about life in prison with the new prisoners, he brings in a guy who's about to be executed in this new state-of-the-art execution chamber, which really doesn't turn out to be state-of-the-art it's at just all. An it's just really chair. fancy. But it lets you choose five different ways of getting executed. Yeah, it lets you choose how to be executed. Either Most of which were chair, illegal at the time, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, like it lets you choose any of the five current ways of being executed, um, but they end up going with electric chair because it's so advanced. Except one of, the, very fancy one of them room. was gas chamber and one of them was firing squad, which I'm pretty sure you cannot do. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were illegal even in but that's how 2002. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so advanced. It actually goes lost. back in time to when that was legal. So um, uh, the warden introduces this guy who is about to be the first person that's to be executed in the state of the art chamber. Um, he's basically like knockoff DB Cooper. Stole a bunch of gold from the government, hid it somewhere, didn't tell them where it was, and uh, they announced this program, and he volunteered to be executed. Uh, so he ends up going to the execution room, and he has an hour to just chill there for some reason. Not sure why. They didn't really explain that one. The warden brings him a suit, because that was like his last request. Can I stop you right here? Yeah. Okay, so this is the point in the movie in which, like, the main plot is introduced. Pretty much. We are now one-third of the way through the film. Yeah, and they, that's actually a really good point, and they finally introduce, like, what's what's going to what happen for the rest of the movie. What is this movie actually about? Like, what is the main goal of all the characters is introduced a full third of the way through the movie. Yes, Zachary, you have your hand up. I would also just like to point out, he said it was knockoff D.B. Cooper, and then nothing of what he said applied to what D.B. Cooper did in the D.B. Cooper case. <laughs> D.B. <laughs> Cooper was not in jail refusing to tell people about his buried gold. None <laughs> of what Cooper you said lines up. Which wasn't you that, spend... Wasn't it the same, the same kind of thing, though? He, like, hoarded his hoarded his treasure away and then got caught but didn't tell him where it was? No, D.B. Cooper, Cooper never got caught. No. No? He was never found. He oh, then that's on me, then. He jumped off a plane and was never seen. That's yeah. what... It, okay, never mind. That's on me, were you thinking I, of, I got wait, that Were you thinking up. of that movie with Seth Green without a paddle? I don't think that so. that movie has a knockoff D.B. Cooper. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I, I just had the story mixed up. That's on me. No, this anyway, is D.B. Cooper. The guy uh, has an hour to just chill in this room before he's executed for some reason. Don't That's never explained either. You'd think that that's like, you know, the time you eat your last meal and all that, but you do that in your cell. But no, he does it in this room while there's a whole bunch of people there, like in the viewing area to watch him just chill there for an hour. The judge uh, or Supreme Court justice who sentenced him is there because she wants to see it through. It's very emotional for her. This one particular case from 17 years ago. But uh, he calls for Seagal to come hang out with him in this room because Seagal was half past dead and he wanted to know what it was like on the other side. Now, like Aaron said, we cut to the main plot of this movie a third of the way through. A bunch yeah. of people 
uh, on a helicopter, break into the prison, cut communications and all that jazz. They break into the prison because they want to find this guy and get him to tell them where he hid the gold. They could have done that at any moment, but they waited until he was locked up in a new maximum security, new Alcatraz to do it because... Well, you know when you're procrastinating on a project and then they're just like, oh, he's getting executed. You're like, oh, deadline's here. De- <laughs> Gotta do Papers it now. At midnight, let's go. Yeah, so they do that and they kidnap him and uh, they... Oh, what was it? There's, there's a reason for the rest of the movie to happen. Oh, he didn't tell them. He didn't tell them where the gold was, so they decided they were going to hold the Supreme Court justice hostage. Their yeah. helicopter that was supposed to take them off the island crashed because of a storm, so then they were like, we need a backup plan, so we'll get a new helicopter from the FBI, and they held the justice uh, ransom. This yeah. is getting really long-winded. Bottom line, prison so fight. Okay. All the prisoners have to find guns and fight back against the bad guys. And then it's revealed somewhere in there that Seagal isn't just a criminal who boosts cars because, of course, he can't be. He That would, that would be too low for someone of his character. He's actually an undercover FBI agent because, of course, he is. The whole time. The whole time he's actually undercover and again, FBI. again, he has the secret, like, calm link to the FBI to, like, contact them. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Siege and onto the ground. Yeah. The secret communication device that he somehow has. That's it. There's a lot of fighting, a lot of bullets missing their targets. As usual, nobody can freaking shoot, even the people that are supposed to be the experts. A bunch of people die, a bunch of people don't die. There's some back and forth. Finally, we get, like the final scene where whatever they're supposed to trade the guy that knows where the gold is for the hostage, <laughs> the Supreme Court justice, big gunfight, helicopter shooting. I've never seen someone more half-ass the plot description. <laughs> whatever, we get to the final scene where the thing It happens. wasn't it wasn't like there was a big gunfight in prison. You. I don't know. I'm you can go watch it if you really want to. I don't I don't care that much. That that part wasn't the fun part for me. The fun part was the part that comes directly after yes. that because they didn't <laughs> yeah. actually give up the Supreme Court justice. They didn't trade her off. No, they exchanged they her with, or they, they switched her with another prisoner or another hostage or something. They actually take her away on the helicopter. So the FBI chases her down on the hel- on the helicopter. And somehow, I, I don't know when this happened, but somehow the the prisoner guy, the, the guy that was supposed to be executed, has a bomb under his suit jacket? And uh, after they push the Supreme Court justice out of the helicopter, he explodes himself and blows up the helicopter. Yes, <laughs> he, that like, is and then absolutely the best he part gives, of the He gives Steven Seagal a little wink and is like, oh, don't worry, I'll take these guys out for you. <laughs> he blows up the helicopter. I have no idea where he got this bomb. I don't think that's it. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's ever explained. Uh, not directly, like, they hint that it was planned ahead of time by Seagal. Like, when they're prepping to do the hostage situation, yeah. he says, like, and you're cool with your role with this, and the guy says, I've made my peace with my god, and, you know, and it's just okay. assumed, oh, he's cool being traded. But okay. I guess Seagal's like, oh, hey, it's cool that we put, like, the suicide bomber vest on you, and, and, they're, then... and they're gonna take you away in the helicopter, and you're gonna explode the helicopter, of course, we all know how these things go. Yeah. And then Seagal jumps out of the helicopter and saves the senator. Yeah, because Seagal not only a helicopter is he... and falls for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, like, cannot possibly be a helicopter. They're above the, the clouds. 
Yeah, that was a little about weird. Helicopter. I really, I don't, I don't really care about the rest of the story. Honestly, that part, uh, my description of it is not going to do it justice. That like, it, as it wasn't a good movie, it was so much better than the last movie that I think I had, I, I was having a better time. But the whole yeah, movie really wasn't that it. interesting. It was just that last part where this old man winks. Like uh, from one helicopter to another helicopter that it's are easily. That. I think 30, he's literally 40. just winking at the camera. I don't even think he's winking at Seagal. I think he's <laughs> winking to us. Yeah, that very well could be. But it's like <laughs> this old guy winks at the camera and <laughs> tears open his shirt to show the the baddies that he's wearing suicide vest and explodes the helicopter as like his his final act of 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 goodness. And the, I don't know. I that one really. I, I really had a good time that, there. The two things I was just thinking of is that they drop her out of the helicopter and then he explodes the helicopter. So he's like, you know, the way geometry works, the exploding object is right above them as they're falling. So I was kind of wondering, you know, exactly how much they thought this plan through. The other thing I was just thinking of that I was laughing at is just like all I could picture when he did that was that scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when he's just like, I cut the brake lines, wild card. Like, that's all I could picture. And he just like rips open his shirt, wild card, and just blows up. Pretty much, yeah. I, I don't know. I I I know I'm I sound very unenthusiastic, but it's because it's a it's a long plot, and I don't really care about most of it. I just wanted to get to the end. That's pretty much Some, it. But the I very noticed. end. Oh, go ahead. The credits. Oh my god! Did you watch the credits? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's awful. It's I mean, pretty awful. She's pretty. Go awful. ahead. Let's hear what it. Up? Well, I mean, there's not much to say. Um. Other than, like, it's the only part of the movie where, like, I laughed when I thought I was supposed to. Um, you, you have, like, the partner, the presumed girlfriend or wife of one of the not very well fleshed out characters. Played like, just by Corrupt. Of, yeah, just one of the prisoners. Uh, <laughs> his partner is played by Monique. And she's, like, visiting him. And he's She's basically like, you're a deadbeat. You're in prison your whole life. And he's like, no, I'm going to get out. Like, you know, just you wait. They have a little couple yeah. riffing uh, between the glass. Yeah. What I was going to say, though, is something that I find to be a very funny, I think, indictment of these movies is that this isn't the first time. This is like the fifth, sixth or seventh time. I'm not sure. It is very easy to describe, like try to summarize these plots and completely leave out like one of the main (laughs) characters. And you just realize when you're doing like the fact that that Ja Rule was in this and you can just describe the whole movie without him there and it doesn't affect anything. No. But that's not, it's, like, we've gone through these whole movies and been like, oh, yeah, by the way, this person was there. They're, like, the <laughs> second main character. He's on the poster. <laughs> okay, like, to be fair. Like, there are three faces on the poster. To be and fair, his is the biggest. when they put three names on there, they put Nas on there, and he dies ten minutes in. Well, in Half Past Dead, if you look at the poster, like, Ja Rule's head is the biggest that's on true. this poster. Like, and it looks like he's the, if you just look at the poster, it's he is the main character, Seagal is his sidekick. Uh, and their chestnut actually yeah, is and fully his whole body's picture. He takes yeah, and they're like fighting Morris Chestnut. Um, that is not at all what happens in this movie. Uh, Seagal but... is very solidly the main character. Ja Rule is there, does nothing to affect the plot. Um, and ja Morris Chestnut is, just... is kind of the villain. Ja Rule is just villain. his buddy who helps him boost cars. Like he doesn't yeah. realize Seagal's undercover. And mm-hmm. then, like, you know, throughout this movie, obviously, Skull is like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm FBI, we're going to help the Supreme Court justice. So then, like, you know, when you get, you can, like, pinpoint the second that we hit the third act, because he's just like, 
I thought you was real, man. Like, you know, I didn't realize, oh, I'm mad at you. I'm sad. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to forgive you. But, like, I'm really yeah. sad right now. This is, like, kind of the character betrayal and the, that signals the third act. And then, yeah. like, like, after pretty much nothing happens, he's just like, okay, we cool. Yeah. That's it. He does and give of the... Of course, yeah. At the, yeah, he at, ends his yeah. sentence. or No, the Supreme Court justice shortens his sentence. Well, well yeah. Shortens okay. his sentence to how long does it take you to get out of those prison clothes? <laughs> Well, so, like, can we talk about something for a second? Because I love talking about these movies and themes, because they don't have them. Um, they pretend Actually, to have that's them. that's not true. Oftentimes they have two uh, directly <laughs> competing ones. Yeah, so at the beginning of this movie, when they introduce... Well, not the beginning of this movie, like, 15 minutes in, Which after a whole bunch of stuff movie. that doesn't matter happens. Because uh, you, can, you can literally skip the first 15 minutes of this movie, and it makes zero difference. Except you do miss Seagal driving yeah. quote unquote very clearly it's not Seagal driving but ostensibly yeah. Seagal driving a car and like doing like a a turn to like fling Ja Rule at like the his side of the car it's well ridiculous. a puppet that looks a little bit like Ja Rule <laughs> Except uh, fair, that's probably my second favorite moment of the movie so maybe you shouldn't <laughs> skip it uh but okay so I just want to talk about a few of the threads that this movie not only just like unceremoniously drops but like is antagonistic against um so one of them is at the beginning when we are introduced to new alcatraz there's like this press conference going on outside with like the head director he's not the warden because we meet the warden later warden el fuego as he's credited you're right it's a different guy it's just like some guy yeah it's it's just a guy wait i I don't remember what he is supposed to be no you're right um is he like in charge of the prison system for california or something I don't know, uh, but there are reporters staying outside like, isn't this like cruel and unusual, what happened here at Alcatraz? And then he says, uh, no, this is a bad place for bad people, and if bad things happen here, I don't care. Um, yeah. And so, and he's very much like... Isn't that just cinema... the... I'm sorry, go, go ahead. <laughs> no, the language of cinema tells you that this guy's a villain, and we're 15 minutes into this movie, so you think, oh, okay, here's the villain, and it's going to be about prison... And it's going to be about, you know, how the modern American prison industrial complex is bad. And then that is not brought up for the rest of the entire movie. After you want, after you get into Alcatraz, like, you're allowed to smoke. You can have video games in your cell. Okay, that, you that can, like, actually. you can paint on the walls. Like, they will give you paint to paint on the walls. Yeah, but it uh, turns out the warden's actually pretty cool. No, I'm not going to lie. When they, <laughs> I like, in that intro scene, I was like... I'd hang out there. You could like yeah, spend, this spend is like, like five years in there. I'd be fine with that. Alcatraz seems pretty chill. Everyone there seems really friendly, actually. That dude's just um, playing like a golf game on his PS2 with like a CRT. Like, I'm done with that. Anymore. Yeah. They say that you have two books in your cell. Well, those are the two books in your cell when you arrive. There's a library cart that comes around every day, and there's a nice guy who hands you books that he and thinks you like. And then right after like. that, the trolley cart comes by where you can get like sweets and snacks and stuff. So. Yeah. Um,. That is not, this is not no. what prison looks like at all. <laughs> to be fair though, you are right to suspect that guy's a bad guy, because I think he is like the lead prosecutor DA of California or something. So something he is like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it is, but like, it is funny you say that though, because that, like, I immediately thought when I was watching that part of it, I thought, man, this really is just a, a commentary on the current US well, justice no. system. And <laughs> like, what, what is this episode? What, 14, something like that? 13. 13 movies in. 13. 
13 movies in, I learned how to sniff it out. I, I learned that in a Steven Seagal movie, the, the first theme that they give you is definitely not going to be the theme of the movie. This, yeah. So I was watching that scene and thought, okay, everything about this movie so far is telling me that the theme of the film is injustice in the American prison system, which means this movie will be about literally anything except injustice in the American prison system. <laughs> it can't be about that. Yeah, it's because that's how, what the movie is telling me. It's about how funny it would be if you just gave like an RPG launcher to like some prisoners and just had him save a Supreme Court justice. Like there will be a light machine gun in the armory in this prison, and no one will question why. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you're. And the... I'm glad. I'm glad. Thirteen movies, and you can call this out. They can tell that this seems going to run counter to the movie. I think the mistake was trying to find themes in the first place in any of these movies. Well, it's it's not like I'm searching for themes. It's just that that's how movies work. One would suspect anything. <laughs> also, okay, the open the, why I say you can skip the first fifteen minutes is that so at the beginning, like Seagal is like an expert carjacker, and you see him doing like some trick driving and stuff. You spend the rest of the entire movie in small rooms on Alcatraz with no cars no he's not in there's, a single other car that doesn't there's happen. no car not there, it's not that there are like two vehicles in the rest of the film other than the helicopters several helicopters explode in this movie but there are like three other ground vehicles and they're like big diesel trucks owned by the fbi that's it yeah, he's introduced and like them. the best because he always has to be the best of the best the best there is yeah. he's the best car thief but only for the first 15 minutes it does not matter like i thought for a second oh we might get like a car-centered action movie with Seagal, which they've kind of tried some car scenes with him. It doesn't work in other movies. Like, I'm remembering, um, oh, the one where he's, like, an undercover undercover EPA agent, and you can, like, (laughs) see the edges of the rear projection screen behind the glass of the car. Oh, oh, Fire Down Below. Fire Down Below. Um, You're right. That is the only one that's really had a true, like, car chase. Like a car chase. There have been, like, they've hinted towards something, but... That was yeah. the one where he was. Oh, I'm I'm like just now remembering what that actually was. That was the one where he was uh, in a car chase with a semi, right? Yeah, and yep. he just like didn't. It was stop like a dump truck or something. Yeah, <laughs> and he could have just stopped. Yep. Yeah, it's very funny because like just having recently watched John Wick Chapter Four, I'm just thinking of the absolute flex that movie does, where they spoiler alert, he's in a car and they have like both doors of the car removed. Like, mm-hmm. they specifically engineer a situation where the car loses both of its doors, so it can be like, hey, either Keanu Reeves is doing a lot of this driving, or we're doing a very convincing job of making you think Keanu Reeves is doing this driving. This is the exact opposite. The The interior shots are as close as physically possible to each character, so you can't tell that the, like what's going <laughs> like on. Like, I... That it's not a car. And all exterior <laughs> shots, it is pitch black. You cannot see inside that car. The windows are pinted, the lights are down. Like, I was worried he was... Drivers. <laughs> I was worried he was going to, like, fog the lens with his breath. Like, it was bad. Honestly. And they just said, we don't want to put any effort into making it look like he's driving. What is the least way we can do that possible? Just have them, like, each sit in chairs with the camera, like, you know, as tight as possible. Yeah. And you, from the outside, you cannot see inside this car at all. But, like, these, okay, so these Seagal movies, like, half the cast are stunt performers anyway. Like, that's already a thing that we've been doing in all these movies, which is fine, whatever. But they're trying to take stunt performers and turn them into actors. Why don't you just do a movie where you hire a bunch of stunt drivers... Seagal does a few scenes like sitting down, which he already wants to do, and that's okay. He beats up two guys in person, and then the rest of the movie is just like car chases and stuff. Like, you could do that. 
that's kind of what I'm hoping, like late career Sagala is. That's what I'm hoping we as we get to, into the 2000s. That we like that doesn't like even that's... sound that hard. Did you already actually... have people working on these who do stunt driving? Like they're already no. doing that. You just don't use them for that in these. And you just have him there, so you can throw his name on there. Yeah. Did he run in this one? Mm, no. He climbs a rope. His he stunt does. double runs away from the gas explosion in the first opening scene. Uh, and does right, like an does. action roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the closest we get. But, and yeah. again, that's very much like the explosions going off. It is you're just seeing a silhouette. You're not seeing a person. No. Good on them for making it easy on like, you know, something else to go. Like, don't put any more effort into your work than you have to. <laughs> um, but whenever they show him climbing the rope and it is all shot from behind again, it is very clearly another person like held yeah. by wires. Like that part's very funny. Uh, oh, I also want to say this movie aesthetically is incredibly early two thousands. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's talk like about very that for a solidly second. early two thousands. Let's talk about that for a second because this came out in two thousand and two. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have that right? This came out in two thousand two. When did the Matrix come out? That was ninety nine, wasn't it? Oh yeah, this is definitely. Oh yeah, when yeah. they all show up, all the bad guys are wearing like the leather trench coats. I did think, oh, like Spirit Halloween Matrix. Matrix. They're doing, well, they're doing knockoff Matrix, <laughs> and they're all doing like, especially the um, oh, what was it? I can't remember your name. Uh, Forty nine or six was her yeah. played by name. Nia Peoples. Yeah, she's <laughs> doing fli- like slow mo flips and with yes. the feet like straight up in the air, doing cartwheels and stuff. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't. The entire movie, I'm thinking they're really trying. Three years later. To do a, a Matrix. She does like a, a Trinity kick. So there's this scene which in a different movie actually could have been cool. Where Seagal is running away uh, and he gets into an elevator. Because uh, he like re- he revives a guard who was half past dead. Um, oh, the theme of him going half past dead doesn't come up for the rest of the movie either. Nope. Like, <laughs> it's just that the guy wants to talk to him because he's seen what death is like. That's all. Well, but... yeah. So, like, his, his resilience, he is not injured for the rest of the movie. Like, no. it, the movie could have been about that this guy has, like, a weirdly high pain tolerance and he can, like, take a beating and dish it out anyway. He doesn't get injured for the entire movie except in the opening you, sequence. I think what you want to watch is Crank starring Jason Statham. Yeah, like, it could have been that, but it's not. But anyway, but there's this scene where he's running away from 49 or 6, which I don't know why they call each other that. No, it's um, good. And uh, she has, like, a submachine gun, and she sticks it between the doors of the elevator <laughs> to to try and stop the elevator, and she shoots a couple I rounds in there. I think it was an elevator. I think it was just, like, these safety, like, lockdown doors were, like, shutting or something. Uh, but I know what you're talking about. These doors are yeah. closing, and she sticks her gun in there. And she shoots it a few times. Well, then Steven Seagal dodges the bullets, and then he like flips the like spins the gun around where it's pinned in the, between the doors, so it spins around. Uh, and the, he tries to fire it, and so she like ducks down and does basically like a scorpion kick up into the door to kick the barrel of the gun up, so she doesn't get shot. And like it, that could have been a cool moment in any other movie. Difficult to describe. Yep. But it was. No, really they, cool. they really wanted to make it a Matrix movie. They, but they didn't do enough of that. Like, well, these say, agents who are doing like all these Matrix moves and stuff, they each do like one or two Matrix moves throughout the movie. And most of the time, they're just the running time. around firing guns randomly. Yeah, like they're not. It's they. They do one or two of them like here and there, but they're always mm-hmm. up against another person who's not doing the same thing. Aside from that scene that you just talked about, because Seagal kind of. With the kick thing, with flipping the gun yeah. upside down. But every other time that I saw it, it was like, 
uh, 49er six doing some, you know, matrix esque action moves against the prisoners who are like ducking behind a door and like shooting an Uzi wildly back and forth, not aiming. But I don't know. It just didn't, it just didn't work. Also like, it's not just like, so there's like the group of leather clad matrix people who come in, but they're not the only ones who do matrix moves. Like there's just like this, the straight laced FBI agent lady. And she fires a Kimbo all the time. Oh, yeah. Like she's just blasting two pistols at the same uh-huh. time. Um, she and Sigal both like, do a Kimbo, and like they cross there are multiple them over scenes. each other. And they, yes, they... there are like multiple scenes where Seagal crosses the pistols over each other and tries to fire, and no but, one hits a thing. But all, it's not even just that. It's not just the sim- like the way they do these like flips and matrix moves and everything. Like while I was watching, I really truly thought that. Um, why am I blanking on it? What was the, uh, why can I remember? Wait, hold on. Job the work. one that we watched before Ticker, um, uh, Exit, Wounds. Exit, Exit Wounds. Wounds. Like, when we were watching Exit Wounds, I even commented, like, how early, like, how of this time it is, how very, like, yeah. 2001 it is. I thought that was, like, the most 2000s it would get. It is, like, both, it is just in the aesthetics and the editing, like, we've talked about the wardrobe and the action, like, even in the intro sequence when, like, they're showing the characters and you still have, like, these text effects on screen, yeah. like, that are actually, like, affecting the video, like... Mission Impossible 2, but not as good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even the the best Mission Impossible. But also, like, <laughs> there's, like, it keeps doing, That's like, almost these, like, good. comedically over-the-top, like, quick zoom-ins when something happens. Like, a character will, like, look towards the camera yeah. and it, like zooms in like it'll it'll zoom in and do the slow-mo thing that we've seen so many times before where it wasn't shot at a high enough frame okay so it just gets really jittery okay and so like my favorite moment was when the uh the electric chair was introduced because it does okay so cinema cinema cinematically what it does with cinematography the electric chair like rises out of this hole in the ground as the camera like spins around it uh sometimes fast sometimes slow it does like this speed ramping thing it's high tech neo alcatraz it's the most advanced high tech execution chamber in the world except this electric chair looks like it was made out of plywood and tape um but um so the camera like spins around it with like this weird speed ramping effect and i thought this feels like a shot out of an early episode of Mythbusters. <laughs> Actually, no, you're like 100% it, right. It's are, a prop that are... Adam Savage built. I, I, they're, man. they're testing the, can you have five different execution uh, techniques <laughs> in one chamber uh, at the back at the lab? And, you know, like a show, really like, sadistic yeah. Mythbusters. And then, of that course, is, like, uh, Adam Savage. Too. Yeah, Adam Savage is, like, dressed up as, like, you know, the prisoner or something, and Jamie's the warden, and Adam's like, okay, so what are we doing? And Jamie's like, we're going to test your electric chair. Like, he's very clearly not, <laughs> not about the joke, not about the costumes. Yeah. Uh, I want to watch this Mythbusters episode. <laughs> no, that is a spot on description. Good job. You gold star tonight. Thank you. But it feels like that shot could have been in, like, a lost episode from season one of the Mythbusters. Mythbusters yeah, did a lot of, of movie tie-ins. Did they ever do anything related to Seagal movies? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> they probably test... A, I wouldn't be surprised because they've done, like, they did, like, action movie-specific mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if something they test appears in a Seagal film, but I don't think they specifically say, Steven Seagal does this. Yeah. <laughs> like, they test... Well, because I know they test, like, firing guns akimbo, jumping in the air while firing guns akimbo. I know they test... Oh, like, there's a lot of that in this one. Oh, yeah. A lot of people dive through the air and fire two pistols and go, ah! 
Have you ever fired one one pistol up in the air whilst going ah? Have you ever fired two pistols in the air whilst going ah? Uh, this man, uh, we, we could have been this... watching Hot Fuzz. <laughs> we could have been watching Lost Things. Hey everyone, welcome to Edgar Wright and Edgar Wrong, the Edgar Wright fancast. Today we're talking about Hot Fuzz. Um, although we should say that not directly, I'm not going to directly tie this movie to Hot Fuzz, but I think. Movies like this from the early 2000s, such as Half Past Dead, are indirectly responsible for, like, Hot Fuzz in a way. Oh, just yeah. Just, like, the way action cinema existed. Yes. So, Half Past Dead, I think, somewhat contributed towards Hot Fuzz. We have to give it that, at least. A little bit. Although, obviously, but, uh, you know, Bad Boys 2 and Point Break are the main references. Of course, so. yeah. Um, yeah, no, um, this movie. It was this just... Movie. So unlike, I had enough to say about Ticker because it was so bad uh, that, and well, it was bad in like fascinating ways. That was not even good like ways. A, that was like a detective case trying to un- un- unearth exactly <laughs> all the things we noticed, how they came to be. This one's yeah. just they gave a guy twenty five million dollars. He kind of tried to rip off the style of the Matrix. It didn't make its money back at the box office, and it's the no. last time we got a theatrical cigar. Like this one, tick, Ticker felt bad because it felt like a million things went wrong behind the scenes. Half Past Dead feels bad because it feels like no one cared. It feels yeah, like I no know. one, no one exactly in this movie, this movie was cared. Maybe Ja Rule, but like that's. I came into ja Rule this with a really positive attitude, cared. and the more we talked about it, the more I think, oh, you know what? This really wasn't that good. It was just because I'm coming off of Ticker. <laughs> <laughs> and that was horrible, yeah. right? That's what we're, that's what I'm saying. And this was the biggest <laughs> disaster that future Fire Festival co-founder Ja Rule would ever be involved in. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, are you, are you fi- really? Are you serious? Are you serious? The company that made Fire Fest, yeah, it was co-founded by Ja Rule and, and uh, Billy McFarland or whatever. His name I didn't was. know he was involved. Yeah, oh yeah, he was a part of like the. You got to watch one of the four like, documentaries about this. Yeah. <laughs> Hulu has two documentaries about Fire he Fest. Also, I knew I knew about it. I knew that the oh, what's his name, the founder, Billy McFarland. Yeah, I, know, I we were just talking about that earlier because he is going to do a second one. Oh yeah, I Fire guess Fest, which is totally different this time, you guys. Also, in case you forgot that Jarrell was involved in Fire Festival, he then later made a, an NFT auction website, and one of the things he auctioned was a painting that was hanging in like the Fire like Fest company office <laughs> as an NFT. So there you go. For Man, sure. What a bummer. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, no, that's, the problem is everyone knew what this movie was going to be while they're making it. No one cared while they're making it came out. It's exactly no. what you think. There's who, yeah. Who directed this thing? Um, that's all. That's Don literally Michael all my notes. Paul. Oh, he had a mullet in this one. No ponytail. Oh, yeah, okay. Good. Wait, IMDb trivia. Ha ha ha. Here to save the day. <laughs> Except. Hold on. That's, that's it though. That's the end of my notes. I really, I, the, you're right. The more we talk about this, the less excited I am. I really think I'm just coming down off the, a high of not watching Ticker. So allegedly, allegedly Seagal was growing a ponytail for this role, but just as I was, it was reaching peak length, the end was cut off by helicopter rotors in a near fatal stunt accident. What? Seagal, Seagal liked the result so much, he now only gets his hair cut using a Sikorsky SH-60 Seahawk. 
So IMDb I'm, trivia. No, I what? started reading this, and then and then also later on, later on, there's another trivia. Between takes, Steven Seagal and Ja Rule recorded a Van Damme diss track titled Brussels Sprout, in which Seagal raps that, quotes, <laughs> Little Sprout from Brussels, ain't got no muscle, lion heart, more like lion fart, geez, call me the glimmer man, Belgian waffle just a flash in the pan. But then, hold on, hold on, hold on, lower your expectations. Because then it says, unfortunately, the recording was stolen by a CIA Black Ops team before it could be released. So those two pieces of trivia <laughs> hold on. make me think that the... IMDb trivia section is maybe not the trustworthy source that we all <laughs> believe. Uh, can, can anybody just go in there and put whatever the hell they want? Because that, yeah, there's no citations. All of that sounds way too good to be true. But it's like my emotional journey of like fortunately being at least a somewhat skeptical person. I was reading the trivia and I'm just like, oh, he was growing a ponytail, then got chopped off, and this, and now he only gets it cut. You. Wait a if second. you just yeah. took the lie far enough and didn't take it across the finish line, I would have believed that. I'd be telling people, like, I'd be drunk at parties five years from now, like, oh yeah, then it got caught in the rotor, and yeah, he almost died, but he, like, the, the problem is they made it too unbelievable. Again, this, like, I tried to search. I could not find anything about this diss track quoted anywhere else. I think somebody just completely made it up for the IMDb trivia section. I didn't even find people joking about this anywhere else. Do you, uh, do you think that five years from now you're going to be drunk at parties talking about Steven Seagal? I hope not. I mean, five I don't know years about... from now, I see you being a father. I don't see that happen. I don't see you going to parties talking to be... people about Steven Seagal. Well, maybe not that exact scenario, but I am five years from now. I probably am going to be talking about like Steven Seagal because that's what you, at some point in your life, you just decide instead of developing a personality, you just like watch movies and then just kind of like talk to people like half interested in them. And so <laughs> maybe at like you know the. Uh, you know, we're waiting in line to like pick up our kids or whatever at like you know daycare or whatever. I'm like, talk oh, yeah, to the other dads. Hey, did like, you yeah, know? you ever see the Seagal movie? No. You ever see the Seagal movie? No. You ever see the Seagal movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. What'd you think? Oh, you liked it? Oh. 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 I don't think we can be friends. Yeah, uh, we're not gonna go. Okay, have a good one. Don't, don't hang out with his kid. We'll go. We're leaving. His, what's his kid's name? John. Don't hang out with Johnny. <laughs> Um, but I don't think there was any other, I do see one piece of trivia that allegedly Seagal traveled everywhere with a Buddhist advisor whose verdict on the state of Seagal's karma that day would be reason enough for him to halt filming for a day. Oh my God. That's that could be plausible. true. That could be true. Um, they do say that some aerial shots in this film were shot, but unused for the rock. So basically there is a Michael Bay movie called the rock. If you haven't seen it, um, it's basically this movie but better it also takes place like on alcatraz so they had like some shots but so it's not quite the ticker situation but they did just like uh hey can we borrow some of that film footage please cool okay thanks bye you know it's gonna be a good movie when it has 14 producers oh, and like five of them are seagal so this guy just does a lot of direct-to-video stuff i'm sorry don michael paul oh um, wait a second okay wait a second i'm gonna i'm gonna have to We'll walk back a little bit about what I said about the cinematography. Oh, no. <laughs> Not because I'm wrong, but because I'm absolutely right. <laughs> uh, but because the cinematographer is Michael Slovis. Oh. Who was Bad. the cinematographer on 48 episodes of Breaking Bad. Wow. 
and 27 episodes of CSI. We have a lot of overlap with CSI as well. Oh, he also directed the first two episodes of the fifth season of Game of Thrones. Oh, nice. I Back mean, before it be was fair. ruined. Yeah. Damn, got him. Um, <laughs> to be fair, though, this was like maybe his like second major. Like, th- oh this my was gosh. relatively early in his career. Uh, except he also was the director of photography for Halloween Town, the Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> his best work. <laughs> so there's a connection between Halloween Town and Breaking Bad. I'm just saying. And Half Past Dead. And Half Past Dead. But yeah, so this was Seagal's. Uh, is there any other notable people of actor besides um, John Rule? The problem is I'm looking through the actors and I'm... I'm very sorry if I missed anybody who was in this, but, like, I can't find anyone who was, like, super famous or anything like that. Like, we have in almost every single previous film. Like, there was someone who went and did something, at least one thing incredibly. Like, like I the mean, fight choreographer who went on to do The Matrix. Like, we don't well, have I any mean, of that. To be fair, this episode's version is the cinematographer that would go on to do Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Yeah. Games. Yeah. That's because I mean this Nia Pe- uh, Nia Peoples she was in Battle of Los Angeles um, Blues Brothers two thousand uh, you were uh, okay Nia Peoples you were one of the better parts of this movie that we watched um, yeah but you For do sure. not have like you know uh, um, Michael Caine breakout level success let's be honest no Any oh hey close? oh yeah the art director okay good for Andreas Olshausen I'm Ooh. sorry he's from Bremen Germany I don't speak German. Uh, this was his first uh, credit as art director, was for Half Past Dead. His latest art directing credit is for John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, nice. And then a bunch of German stuff as well. But <laughs> um, Wow. Shocking. Oh, actually, wait, two random thoughts that I have about the movie. Yeah. One, I like that this movie is so committed to the gag of people just like going flying, like flinging that like if you turn a car super abruptly, like I don't know, was Jaw Rule was his hand like trying to open the door and the handle, like the fact that the door <laughs> opens so he could go flying out the side of the car. That and then again later on they give a prisoner an RPG and when he goes to fire it, it like flings it backwards. That's not how, like literally it shows the smoke coming out the back. It shows the fact that the back, the RPG launcher is like specifically open to prevent blowback like that. And they still have him like go flying back and crash into a wall. I, it's just committed to having these dumb gags that absolutely break consistency with how any part of the world works. Also, I like that this movie tries to do an extended Dirty Harry reference for no reason. Oh, yeah. They have like. They're dangling from chains, like fight Seagal and the main villain are like holding onto chains fighting each other until they drop to mm-hmm. the floor. And then Seagal's holding a gun on him and the guy's like, your gun's empty. And Seagal's like, is it? Are you sure? Or do I have one bullet? And the guy's like, no, it's empty. And Seagal takes the magazine out and he's like, okay, nothing in the magazine. You're right. But I bet I've won in the chamber. And the guy's like, no, you don't. And he's like, I do. And the guy's like, then fire. And Seagal fires and it doesn't fire. And the guy's like, ooh, nice bluff. And he goes, it wasn't a bluff, it was a misfire. And I'm like, what was the point of that? <laughs> and there are, there were a few few moments like that throughout this movie that I thought they they were below that hour and a half threshold. And yeah. they just had to push it. <laughs> like, it wasn't a bluff, it was a misfire. a little bit okay. more in there. Is that supposed to sound cool? What did you accomplish? Yeah, that's not even addressed. Like, they, he doesn't, like, fix the misfire and then shoot or anything. No. But, like, having a misfire isn't tough or cool. I don't know what he's trying to. Oh, um, I found I also... another person in the background who went yeah. on to do good things. Uh, Ernestine Hipper, also German. They're all German. 
kind of got her. She did one movie before this as a set decorator. Nice. And she does set decoration, for which she won the Oscar uh, for set for, I don't know exactly what it was, production design or something, but there are photographs of her accepting an Oscar for her work on All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, uh, nice. And for Tar. Oh, dang. Two big ones. Uh, yeah, year. both in the same year. Um, but she started with, well, she had one TV movie, and then her first like theatrical release was Half Past Dead. So good for you, Ernestine. Good for you. Oh, I do also, I'm just randomly recalling this movie. It's very forgettable. If you ask me tomorrow to detail any part of this movie, I couldn't do it. But well, before they do the whole hostage ex- exchange and the old guy who hit the gold when he's like leaning the Seagal and he's like, hey, I know this nice place near a lake. You should go there sometime. Let me tell mm-hmm. you again where it is. By the lake. Maybe you should go there. They're really laying it on that that's where the gold is. So they do... Seagal takes the the government there. They find the gold at the end of the movie. In case that you were just on the edge of your seat wondering where the gold was, wondering yeah, I forgot about that. Where hid the gold? And there was literally no reason. There was there was nothing that connected the two of them together other than Seagal spent some time with him in his hour of chilling out in the execution room because. But he can tell he's a good man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say one thing in this movie's favor. Okay. All three of Steven Seagal's stunt doubles do get credited in this nice. movie. Good. That's actually unlike, good to see. Unlike the previous movies where he definitely had a stunt double and they were not credited as his stunt double in most of the previous 12 movies. And this movie has three and they're credited. Nice. Do you have any uh, favorite quotes from the movie? Um. Oh gosh, do I... It's not really a quote, but it's a sound effect. I like that the guy's <laughs> sitting in his prison cell playing like a PS2, but it's playing these like Atari 2600 bleeps and bloops that video games haven't sounded like for like more than two decades. And <laughs> then they show him he's playing like too. a golf game. He like it's show him and like when he's playing the golf game, it's playing, I think, like at least somewhat correct sound effects. And then it goes back to him and it's like playing this beep, 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 like these like sounds that have not existed in a game like for years. So that's not really a quote. I, if it's going to be an actual quote, I do like the part when Ja Rule is just like, what? But you lied to me, but you passed the lie detector test. And he just goes like, ah, oh, it's nothing. Anyone can do that. <laughs> Anyone that, can that's do pro- that. That's probably my favorite skull quote. They also don't resolve uh, the whole, again, the whole like thing you can skip the first 15 minutes of the movie. It comes back because his whole reason for going undercover and like befriending Ja Rule and doing all that stuff is because his boss... Oh, yeah. Was responsible for his wife's death before the movie it takes place. Yeah, they're like the so, mob boss that he's working for undercover. Yeah, so he's like dedicated to taking down this mob boss. And he says to Ja Rule's character, like, this is, you know, that's my whole purpose. You bet I'm dedicated to it. Like, I'm really sorry that I had to betray you. But my, like, entire purpose is to take this guy down. And it, he, he doesn't. Like Wait, the, mo- the movie think... ends without that ever happening. <laughs> no, I think they do technically have some throwaway line where it's like, "Oh yeah," oh, oh. like when he's visiting Jarwell in prison, he's like, "Guy, ah, took him down anyway. Your sentence is done." Like I, he says to, or he says to the FBI lady or someone. I think he does. It's like really? very. I, I mean, honestly, I, I could be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that. I, I for some reason, I feel like in my head they like say that he I, I could have missed take it. the guy down. But... I mean, I could have missed a lot. At the end of this movie, like after after the credits rolled, did they just say to all the prisoners, "Okay, back in your cells"? 
Yeah, like, I do like that. Get back help, in there. Every prisoner there helps out, and they free Jarl, but uh, everyone else Also, is, give is up your there. guns now. Yeah, go back to playing your PS2s or whatever. Go back to playing your golf games and doing your painting. Okay, you're still here in Neo Alcatraz. Yeah, we really... Talk about stretching this out. We really... Uh, this, I, we're we're kind of meandering here. Yeah, because, I mean... This wasn't... I've said this before, but this this movie wasn't bad in any interesting ways. No. Um, no, it was just kind of a bad movie. Yeah. Although you know how... Uh, just, kind of just regular old bad movie. Like, you know, LA Times, New York Times, like, film critics, they always gotta have, like, you know, a snarky pun, like, you know, in the byline, like, to let you... You know, you gotta be clever with, like, some kind of pun title. I feel like if I was, like, a reviewer of movies in, like, 2002, for me, this it would be something along the lines of, like, half past dead, more like fully past his prime... Boom, got him. Okay, anyway, here's the review, and then uh, you know, I yeah. boom, and, roasted, and I get paid, and I get paid by the word. Yeah, I'm just trying to find like anything interesting about this. The there is nothing interesting about this. I'm digging uh, the, Matt Battaglia. There's a picture of him holding an Emmy. I don't know what he got that for. Uh, he's the guy who plays one of the. He gets a name. He play a uh, forty nine or three. No, he doesn't get a name. He's forty nine or three. He's the one who was always chewing gum. He was in Thor. He's named, he's Pete from Thor. Remember Pete from Thor? No. Fun fact. Also, nobody remembers anything interesting about the first Thor. So that's what <laughs> the have in common. Yeah, I just, I, I'm digging here and there's just nothing interesting about this movie. I'm sorry, people. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're half past time. So Hans, go ahead. Wrap us up. I, um, I don't know. I feel like we have to edit it around to, to say what, what you guys just said so somebody say it in a, in a better inflection to end on say what in a better oh what's our, like what's our half oh, past wait. dead more like half past is prime actually wait real quick what are our letterbox star ratings oh i gave it one star uh it's it's probably one star because the last one was half a star but the, like the more i the more i think about this one the more i think that i I wasn't actually having that good of a time with the movie. It's just because I wasn't watching Ticker. I've said that okay. like three times, but I'm I'm confident that that's where I'm at. That's so really it's definitely one star. I, I was a little nicer. I think I gave this one and a half. Really? If it was like on TV, it's like, oh yeah, Seagal. Like, because the problem is when you describe the premise, it actually kind of sounds interesting. And like, if yeah. you were like on TV and it just like came on and you watched it, you know, nothing gained, nothing lost, like... Yeah. Other than like, you know, an hour and a half of your life. Well, with commercials, probably about two hours. The biggest problem here is that I'm so far behind on Letterboxd reviews that at some point, one of my reviews isn't going to match up with the star rating that I said. Well, you got to catch up. Got to do your homework. I know I do. Uh, Thank you for joining us for Half Past Dead, or as I like to say, Fully Past His Prime. Uh, Half Past Dead, more like Fully Dead to Me. Half Past Dead, (laughs) more like Half My Attention Span. Um... (laughs) More like half past bored? I don't, I don't know. Half past dead. More like half past my bedtime. I was so bored. Um, <laughs> half past dead. More like half past gas. Because this movie is like a fart that smells bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're getting weak. <laughs> okay, well, let's hear one from you, Hans. Where's your rip? Yeah, what, <laughs> so you join in. Yeah, huh? come on, Hans. I don't have anything. Give us something. Give, just give, say give three me your best words. Shot. It doesn't just say any three words in any order. Say half past dead more like anything. I don't care. We're not ending the episode till we get your stinger. <laughs>
I don't think you've given a stinger in all 13 of these episodes. I'm not good with the quips. You guys are very good with the quips. I you can't just think on my feet like that. I'm so bad at improv. Well, you've had like two minutes to think about it. You can't. I don't have two minutes to think about it while you're yelling at me about thinking about it. That's not how that works. <laughs> okay, Hans, you're going to say half past dead, more like half-assed movie. Okay. Okay, go ahead, say that. You can have that one. No, that's not original. <laughs> half past dead, more like half-assed movie. As it was was something Hans told me earlier after he watched it. That was his zinger. Okay, good night. That means one of us has to die. Look at you. Good job.